In this episode, learn about subsurface data, how exactly is IBM leading the charge, and why is cloud more secure? gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. Hey, it's Mark LaCour. We're in beautiful Calgary, Canada, and we're lucky enough to be with IBM. We're sitting here with Darius, Mark, and Cole. How are you doing today, gentlemen? Very good. Good. Happy to be here. Hey, you hit us on a good week. There's no snow here. It's good. <laughs> you know, the funny story about that is I brought Paige Wilson, host of one of the other podcasts, here last May, and it snowed, and she thought she was on a different planet. And I go, no, the whole world's not Houston, Texas, right? It snows in Calgary sometimes in May. It snows every month of the year. I've, I've seen snow in every month of the year in Calgary. Really? Like literally really? August? Dead serious. Yep. July, August. Even I didn't know that. Yep. Wow. That, that, I don't know if that's cool or crazy. It is crazy. what it is. Let's go crazy on that one. <laughs> Does it ever get bad enough where you need chains? Does it ever get you ever get black ice events? No, it's like it, it's they've got pretty good snow removal systems, so it's not that bad. I mean, ice wise, the worst time is kind of in March, right? Because you get that near zero, so it snows, and then any kind of uh, it, you get a quick freeze on it, so it freezes over pretty quickly. So that's when it gets a little slippery. So, folks, that's what we talk about on the Oil Gas Technology Podcast. We talk about precipitation in, in different physical states of water. <laughs> But since we're at IBM, we have much more interesting stuff to talk to. And Darius, before we get into this, you know, somebody may say, hey, this, you, we're going to talk a little bit about mining, but you and I both know that mining has a lot of similarities to oil and gas. Oh, absolutely. And in our case, it was all about what is happening under the ground, subsurface analytics, interpretation of the reservoir. IBM has been working with oil and gas companies in this space for the last five, if not more, years to build AI models. And we've been approached by a mining company who asked us, can you help us find where the gold is and use your subsurface interpretation technology to do with gold? And that's how the story started. Yeah, it's cool that you started with uh, subsurface for uh, geo stuff for oil and gas, and then a mining company said, hey, will you come work for us? And you go, let's see. So (laughs) did it work? Well, absolutely. And uh, even better than it worked. In uh, We've been able to do it in what is considered a record time in just a little bit over a year, less than a year and a half, we took this concept of applying artificial intelligence to interpret subsurface data. And the company we worked with, Goldcorp, is already drilling based on analytics that we developed for them. God, that didn't take long at all. That, that Just the speed y'all did that is a whole story in itself. Mark, I got to ask you, I mean, what, what, the hoops did you have to jump through to get them to convince it to even try this thing? You know, it was, it, it actually didn't, it wasn't that hard. We met with a senior vice president who's now the chief operating officer and the chief information officer and, and really this, the now COO, I mean, his comment was, we just need to do something differently. You know, we ride the commodity wave up, we ride the commodity wave down. And the only way to kind of truly change is to bring innovation. And we think artificial intelligence is the way to do that. And so we really looked at six business cases when we presented to them. And we ultimately landed on exploration. And we sort of took a three-step process because, you know, as organizations move into this, they're, they're cautious and they want to look at this and they want to see results along the way. 
So we built kind of a three-step approach. And the three-step approach was is to get the data platform and provide insights to them. And that was hugely successful. You know, Goldcorp's on record as saying, when we built the platform and, and put it in place and, and Cole was instrumental in that, they did a geological workup. And so they, they took a geologist and, and did it based upon the way they would do a geological workup the way they would do it traditionally. And that took them about 150 hours. And then they did it on our platform and did it in four and a half. Whoa. And, it, it's, and that got a lot of excitement inside their organization. And then, you know, with that, we've now been able to, and then we begin to work with them on what I, we would call infield geology, where there's a lot of data and a lot of drill holes in terms of being able to do that. And the predictive models, which Cole will talk about, you know, we've been able to raise the accuracy of their geologists from how they work. And then the final one is, is what Goldcorp calls grassroots, which is, you know, greenfield within their mine site in terms of looking at that and with the goal of, of identifying drill targets that they can go and execute on. So there's been steps along the way and there's been proof points along the way. And that's what's really garnered the excitement is that every step we've you know, been able to deliver value and insights for their organization. Yeah, I like that you applied rigor to even just partner with them up front because you had to take a step prove the value, take a step, prove the value. That's a good way to do business. I mean, no matter what business you're in. And so uh, you touched on something real quick. I want to come back to Cole, but before I do that, you you touched on the Greenfield. Now, is this acreage that they own, but they have never explored before? Correct. Yeah. And so they used artificial intelligence to help them figure out if it was worth exploring and where? Correct. Yeah. So I've seen some of that in oil and gas. I've seen a couple of companies use AI with existing seismic data in the Gulf of Mexico, and they found reservoirs. The data was there, but just the person couldn't figure out if it was there or not. But the AI found it, so the amount of recoverable reserves went up in a field that the company already owned. They just didn't know it was there. Yeah, and that's you're talking about sort of the same thing. It, it absolutely is that case, and and like in in Goldcorp's, I mean that mine's been around for 80 years, and so there's 80 years of data that's been in and around that they there's just no way you can get all of that, garner all that information, and be able to provide insights. And so working with them, we've been able to capture that information and then provide the insights to identify some of those targets. So Cole, I have no idea how you get ready to answer this question, but <laughs> in, in, in oil and gas, if I was going to have this question with you, the first thing would have come out of my mouth is. The data tends to be siloed. It tends to be dirty. It tends to be a mess just getting it cleaned up. Was it? Did you start in the same way there or was it better? Yeah, absolutely. And what Mark alluded to on the actual data platform step where they actually had to prove that value first, I got to stand on the shoulders of all that work where hours and hours and months and months of effort went into cleaning the data, loading it into you know a structured format that then you can actually start building the predictive models on top of that. But the predictive modeling work can't even start until you actually have that data in a clean, validated, and structured format. Yep. I know that. Y'all know that. A lot of people out there don't know that, right? Right. And especially if you're an industry that has a ton of data like mining or, or oil and gas and a lot of historical data, a lot of it's still unstructured. A lot of it's on paper. Yep. You know, exactly. if you can't get that stuff organized right, you, you can't even start doing analytics on it. That's, and if you do analytics, they're worthless. Yeah. That's exactly true. The The quality of what you put into these artificial intelligent algorithms is going to be the quality that you get out of them, for sure. And that's where artificial intelligence helps, especially the vision component of it. We've, we were able to analyze handwritten maps, extract key geological features from handwritten maps, 
and include them as an input to our predictive models. That is really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's like really cool, almost scary cool. <laughs> and, well, and some of them, like some of those maps were from the 20s. Like they were on, yeah, what's the paper that was called that, that they used to, there's kind of the really fine, fine paper, and I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it goes back to like the 20s, and they were able to extract information out of it. it was, it's fascinating. That is amazing. Now, is that a tool y'all built for this project or is that a tool y'all had in the toolbox somewhere? So in IBM Toolkit, there are cross-industry tools that we leverage, but we had to train it for geological data applicable for the industry. Got it, yeah. got it, got it. Yeah. So Darius, when, you, when you're looking at this and you're looking at um, you know the history and the power and the reach of IBM, you know this is, to me, this is sort of an out-of-the-ordinary project for the old IBM. For the new IBM, this is what y'all do day-to-day, isn't it? That's precisely. That's uh, what our new operating philosophy is. We take cross-industry tools and we build industry-specific artificial intelligence analytics solutions for oil and gas and mining. We, We call this natural resources industries. And we work with the leading innovators like Golcorp and we create solutions that are applicable for the industry. So the next uh, mining company in this case that wants to take advantage of this artificial intelligence engine, this new brain that can be applied to help and work beside their geologists, it's available. It's possible to take advantage of it now. And, and it's not academia. It's been proven. It's up and running, which means the next time y'all go to do another instance with, with another company, it's going to go quicker and faster, right? And it just, it's just going to keep continuing to evolve in the same way, quicker and faster. Quick. I love that. That's precisely well, the point. It's, it's, yep. And I mean, the mining industry and the oil and gas industry, you know, I think almost the, the motto is, you know, companies want to be first to be second, right? And so we've, you know, we've now got a company that's first. And so, you know, we're getting a lot of interest in people wanting to kind of follow in behind. Yeah. And when I think about, and I don't know much about the mining industry, but when I think about the mining industry, they face a lot of the same challenges that the oil and gas industry does, such as it's an engineering project management centric industry. It can be dangerous. So mm-hmm. HSE is, is an enormous driver in metric. And then because when you make, when you have a process in place and it works and nothing, nobody gets hurt and nobody gets hurt and nobody, nothing blows up. You don't want to change that process, right? Even if that process is inefficient or 20 years old, there's a resistance to that change. So, Mark, you know, surely you had some moments when you were talking to Gold Corp about this where you had some people that were a little resistant to bringing a new tool in. But once you once they saw the results, that resistance quickly fade? It actually was a conversation right up front because in the very early days, you know, one of the questions is, is, or is this going to get rid of all the geologists, right? And, and it's not. It's actually just enabling geologists to do their job instead of going and getting the data and, you know, consolidating the data. They now can spend more time analyzing and interpreting the data and look at different data sources in, or, in order to that their decision that they use that potentially that's a place to drill is a really thought through decision. So, you know, that, you know, I, I think that's what the tool is enabled. But where, where they're at, one of the questions when we initially started out was, is we chose, the reason why Red Lake was chosen was because there's an incredible group there and they, you know, they were willing to utilize the tools. They were willing to invest the time, which I think we all know time's short, and, and being able to invest your personal time is really important, and, and had a very open mind. And so it was really the people we were going to work with and, and how they would work with us was kind of a critical factor in making this successful. And now that we've proven it out, 
others are coming over and sort of saying, okay, now I understand. So it was, but in the very early days, it was the deci- the reason why we decided was the people that we were going to be working with at the, at the Red Lake Mine. Yeah, it's funny about introducing a new tool or, or, or process into any industry or to, to anybody, right? People that really don't like change. And that culture is always the hardest thing to overcome. It's not whether the tool can do a job. It's can you have, change the culture that they adopted so they see the benefits in using it. And I love how you put that together because we've hit on that before. It's the fact that technology is not – technology may eliminate some jobs, but it will create more than eliminates. But it's it's taking the day-to-day boring, mundane stuff that like things like geologists have to deal with, like going yeah. to find data, yeah. like going to around 37 different Excel spreadsheets yeah. in this one – you know. 2002 Microsoft Access database and getting all that data how to put together. Now they don't have to do that. Your AI is now doing that for them. Correct. Right. And so then they get to do what they're trained at, what they love to do, what is fun, which is actually be a geologist. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you look at the savings in not just the efficiencies in finding the gold in this case or hydrocarbons in, in other cases, but the efficiencies in running an operation, right? How efficient are your people? You know, what, how much money are you spending on? You know, you're paying a, a top geologist to scrub Excel spreadsheets. Are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. you know, but it happens all the time. Exactly. I totally agree with you. And, and let me tell you something. Initially, we were counting efficiency in percentages. Now we are counting it in orders of magnitude. That is so cool. It's 35 times more efficient for the geologist at Gulcorp to operate using our platforms and AI tools than without them. So you know what's cool about that statement? When you hear this, and I hear this all the time, they typically, efficiencies are talking about percentage. We can increase productivity by 7%, 9%, 12%. When you get past 100%, you start talking exponentially like 35 times, you're not moving the needle. You're knocking it out of the park. Yeah. So, Mark, I could come back to you one more time. It sounds like you were really ingrained with this deployment with, with Gold Corp. Do you think when you're introducing something new that if, if you're a, a, a company that is the one introducing the product or the service, do you think having that level of partnership where you're not a vendor, I mean, obviously you're a vendor, but where the, the, your prospect company sees you as a partner, as somebody to help them solve a problem, do you think that's a new way to do business now or the best way? I think you have to because, you know, I, I think we opened this up with the cognitive journey, right? And it's a journey, right? Like when we went through, we certainly had hopes that this, you know, where we're at today is is kind of where we were 18 months ago. But it was uh, 18 months working together. Our teams, like they were in Red Lake, which is not easy to get to by plane. And our team is virtual. It's all over the world. And so we met, you know, every couple of weeks in Winnipeg and Vancouver just to bring the teams together. And, and it was, you know, I think a big investment on both sides in terms of making sure that we clearly understand the, understood the problem. And, you know, I think we we really understand what they're doing and they really understand what we're doing. It's been a really good partnership, but I think you have to be that way because, you know, as companies strive to increase their, you know, their yields, their reservoirs, their commodities. And let's, let's be honest, the oil and gas industry and the mining industry is a commodity based industry. So as prices rise or prices fall, you need to take out margin, right. In terms of being able to get to flow through profit and, and the only way to do that is to have, you know, really dedicated partners working with you to make sure that they're as active removing costs within organizations as you are as, an, as a company. So I think you have to be that way. When you went down that journey with them, did you discover problems that they had that they didn't know they had? Cole, would you say that? Yeah, we, we kind of found a, a pretty cool one. So a lot of geological data is like descriptive. So actually a geologist like observing a piece of rock and then describing what the characteristics of that rock and we were able to collect all that data and then build a learning system to 
sort of model which types of rocks should be close to other types of rocks. But through that work, we found a lot of like biases in the way geologists were interpreting the rock. So one geologist would interpret it this way, and we could actually visualize a different geologist interpreting that same rock a different way. That's a problem that they were aware of, but we were able to kind of like quantify it through that work. So that was a cool one. Man, who would have thought that you could actually highlight, make aware, and then get rid of biases and data using artificial intelligence? To me, only humans can do that. Right? I, I, I've, I've touched that world before. And even humans, when you, when you know how to keep from introducing a bias in the data, you still have to build another system to validate the data to make sure you didn't introduce a bias that you're not aware of. Right? Yeah, I would say we're still working on the get rid of the bias, but identifying that it exists in the first place is kind of the first step. So. Yeah, and it makes total sense. A geologists are people, and depending on where they were educated and how they did their apprenticeship and what part of the world they grew up in, they're going to have a, a different take on what they're visually looking at, what type of rock they're looking at. That is, I, I never in a million years would even thought we'd have this conversation on a microphone. That has so many big implications, and I don't want to go down that road because that's another podcast, but I mean, literally, you could take that little piece right there and lay it on a lot of industries and drive a lot of efficiencies. It, it was a piece that the, the Gold Corp geologists were pro, like the most excited about as part of this project, and then the actual prediction results, but they really like that part. I know geologists. That means that somebody behind closed doors said, uh-huh, I was right. I told you that 15 years ago. <laughs> I was right. The AI proves I was right. That, that is an interesting aspect to that, too, that this mine is 80 years old. So even the measurement technology or what the culture of the mine was decades ago is different than it is now. And oh, that's true. So they used to measure in chains a long time ago because ropes would stretch, and then they don't use chains anymore. And at some point, they use empirical measurements and now the metric system. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so there's margins of error in there, too, just in the translations over time. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, Darius, I want to come back to IBM around this. So y'all are one of the leaders in artificial intelligence. And here's a real business case that y'all have actually helped a company. And I don't know, I don't know Gold Corp. Are they public? They're public trade. Yeah. yeah. So you actually helped affect shareholder value. That's an enormous impact, right? That you can actually help a company be more competitive to the point that it affects shareholder value. Is this a one-off for IBM, or is this what IBM tries to do all the time? That's what we are trying to do. We are a technology company, there is no denying, but what we are doing with advanced analytics and artificial intelligence is to drive real, tangible, dollar-denominated business results. That's the primary reasons of why companies engage with us, because we are coming at it as business problem solving technology company the company that delivers dollar denominated results yeah and and you know i've been involved in the world of oil and gas and technology forever and and forever i've always said this and i come from a world of sales it's like if you can solve a business problem you're in the right place if you're talking about just solving a problem that is hypothetical don't waste your time and don't waste your prospects time with that sort of yeah. stuff i don't know mining at all but I would suspect that they're also very cost conscious because they're in that commodities world. I don't want numbers, and we're not going to talk about numbers on the show, but when it was all said and done, were you able to show them a financial return on investment that was very obviously, they or because they wouldn't be working with you anymore, but you were able to sh- show them a good, strong return on investment? Definitely. It's, it, I mean, in the beginning, it was, I mean, we started with a first phase where it was just we need to do something. And then through that, we demonstrated return and then have you know, been able to demonstrate returns through, through the entire program. So I don't think I'm at liberty to say what they are. I think that's, no, we don't that's want, for, that's for gold to, to, yeah. to be, to, to discuss, but uh, you know, I, I know they're certainly happy with the work that we've been done and the return they're seeing. And let me ask you this 
after going through this project, if you did it again with a different company, with a reasonable degree of accuracy, you think you could predict what their returns would be, the new company? I think so. I mean, every case is a little bit different, right, in terms of doing the models. But I, I believe we can, you know, we can demonstrate the value. Because, I mean, even in the, on the base platform, just removing all of that data consolidation and data search, that, that, I mean, there's a return there right away, right? And then you get into the algorithms and being able to increase the predictivity of the geologists. You know, I think there's a return there as well. Uh, although, uh, let me add to it, the significant value is generated from reducing the costs of drilling because you know or you have a higher likelihood predictability where the resource is. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Same way in my world, right? You want to know where those resources are and you want to know as much as possible. Are they recoverable before you spend all the capital right. to, to reach there? Right. The old ways of doing that is you would drill a well and you would hope it was recoverable. And that in this competitive world just, just doesn't cut anymore. Well, and there's an environmental aspect to that too. Of right? course. If you're only drilling where you think that it is, then you're obviously going to reduce the environmental impact. Yep. So, Cole, from an architectural point of view, is this super high performance computing, blah, blah, blah? Or is this something that you can roll out any modern company? Do they have to be mutually exclusive? <laughs> we are we are using some pretty advanced research in the actual implementation of, of these predictive models, but they're there's still just computer code. So once you write that code, it'll run on the data set that you have. Uh, a cool sort of aspect or a unique challenge to subsurface analytics is that descriptive aspect that I was saying that a lot of it, the data is actually textual. And then the spatial context is super, super important. You need that spatial knowledge that the system can learn from of we have some data over here compared to down to the right. So we built a system leveraging cutting-edge research in natural language processing to take that like geological textual context and then in image recognition to capture that spatial context. And that's kind of like the architecture design of combining those two worlds to provide this, this solution. And so is this solution sitting behind their firewall or is this something that's a, a SaaS model? The actual code running this is on the IBM cloud and then it spits out. So I would think, Darius, that means that almost any company that get that it would be a good fit for financially could access something like this is sitting in the cloud. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. That's why I was jumping when you said, do we need high-performance computing? Yeah, well, what's, this is not an issue. You can source high-performance computing through cloud. It's not a, as expensive as it was in the past where you needed to buy and, and stood up that in your uh, data center. It makes the solution easy to access and relatively inexpensive to use which makes that combination between your cost and the value you are receiving so attractive to the companies. There is not upfront cost as much as there is a cost associated with, let's say, 10 times or more business benefits coming out. And then because it sits in, the, sits in your cloud, it's, there's a whole bunch of benefits that maybe people don't always understand. One is it's unbelievably scalable. So if you have one geologist, you pay for one geologist. If you have 100,000 geologists, you pay for 100,000 right. geologists. It's very secure. Now, security in the cloud is different than security on the prem, but security in the cloud, and actually in some ways, is even more secure than oh, stuff. Is, it is. Yeah, but it's different. And a lot of old, old IT guys don't understand that difference, right? The other thing is it's so reliable. So your cloud is all over the place, right? And it's, there's so much redundancy, both geographically and virtualization, that for something to go down, it's going to be down for just a very short amount of time, if it's down at all. Absolutely. And we take so much pride in, in the security uh, we have in IBM solutions. Again, we, we deliver to all uh, 
top 500 companies. We deliver to Department of Defense. We deliver to everyone who is for whom security is the key. This is this is deeply entrenched in everything IBM does to make sure that that it's super secure. But even more broadly, cloud must be very very secure. Imagine the number of attacks that are happening in the cloud space. Cloud therefore it is more more secure. It must be more secure than almost any on-prem installation. You know, you just gave me an idea. I don't want to, I could go down this rabbit hole right now and spend the next hour talking about business culture and security, cybersecurity. We're not. But let's get IBM back on the show at another point and let's go deep dive into cybersecurity because it used to be the realm of CIOs and maybe CSOs and it was these three board kids in Pennsylvania who were trying to hack something. Now it's state-sponsored. Some of the smartest people in the world Absolutely. backed yeah. with a lot of money and they're looking for financials. They, and, and they're successful at it more than the public knows. Listen, let's stop the security because this, this, we got to come back with IBM and go way down this road. Easily, easily. And imagine, imagine with all these attacks going after it, we have to make sure that they are secure. Otherwise, nobody would want cloud. And now pretty much everyone is on the cloud. Therefore, the muscle you need to put that security protection is so much that no individual company really can afford such a spend to secure themselves. We have to, and we have the money. It's a good thing I said, let's not have the security conversation. I'm yeah. just teasing you. <laughs> no, 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 that's going. A, no, it's a good point. So let's actually kind of skirt around that a little bit. So what I find interesting is... You know, 10 or 15 years ago, that was only talked about in the, on the IT side of the house, not the OT side of the house. Now you're seeing the bad guys do things like shut down pipelines or, you know, yeah. uh, denial of service or critical infrastructure, that sort of stuff. I'm sure the same thing's going on in mining, too, is, is where you have, you know, bad people trying to do bad stuff from remote locations. Yeah, especially yeah. with the adoption of, you know, the Internet of Things, more devices becoming online and connected to the Internet. That's just a broader attack surface. To yeah, more places for the bad guys to enter. Yeah. Exactly, As a, yeah. Compared in the old days when his analog guy would have to drive a truck out there and scrape the insulation off the wires, but the allergy, I mean, you would have seen it, right? Yeah. Now there's many more points of entry. So, so obviously, Gold Corp had a lot of confidence in IBM bringing everything to the table, including cybersecurity. Was it an issue that y'all had never done this before? And so the partnership made the ideal fit where y'all almost did like a proof of concept together. So y'all worked hand in hand in hand, which is the right way to handle it. So is that how it worked out? That's absolutely how it, how, how it started out. It was, you know, it's been interesting, I think, just from my perspective, our evolution within mining. PDAC, which is a, a, hu it's a huge mining conference that happens every March. And so four years ago, we started showing up at PDAC as IBM to go into the mining cl cluster. And, and our first one, we brought a robot. And, you know, we, we did it at the trade show and, and everybody was, you know, there was a long lineup, but it was a lineup to get a picture with the robot. It wasn't to do it with IBM and not, they didn't talk to us. They just wanted a picture. And, <laughs> you know, one of the people, Dan said like, why are you guys here? And cause they didn't view us as relevant to the mining industry. And, you know, just like everything, things have transformed a lot. And, and to the point now where, you know, we've been asked to speak all over PDAC, I, like in terms of our presentations at PDAC on mining exploration and maintenance reliability and artificial intelligence in those areas. I mean, there's been a major transformation in seeing us as, an, a, as a pretty dominant industry player that can help them drive efficiencies within their organization. So it's, it's, been, it's been an interesting journey over these last four years within the mining sector. Isn't it cool when the business side sees technology as a vital part of the business. Yep. No longer can you get my laptop to work, but understanding that's what I need to be competitive in the future. I I, I love it. It's happening right now in oil and gas, and I think it's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. 
on the uh, technical side, that interface with the actual domain experts is, is paramount. Because like you said, this is something we haven't actually done before in this space. We need that back and forth to understand which paths we should actually be taking. Because part of this work is research-based. So we go down this path, we share the results. They either like them or they don't, or they find interesting aspects that we should dig into further. And without that, the, this project w- would have failed. We, we interface, I, our team interfaces with client daily, like with the geologist on the ground. That's yeah. the right way to That's do it. I, point. I see so many tech companies out there think they know what the solution is, then come up with a solution to it, then go try to sell it, not realizing that they missed something really big. Like in West Texas, everybody's talking about handheld devices and capturing field data. There's no connectivity out there. If you don't have connectivity, you can't do that, right? That's because they don't understand the industry, right? Or the fact that the, the, the roughneck that they want to enter information on, on his iPhone is covered with crude oil or pipe <laughs> yeah. dope. He's the, that's why the tally book's still there. It still works when you're dirty. So I think that's awesome that y'all understand. Not only understand, but it's how you do business, is that you realize you have part of the solution, but you need what's in these guys' heads, these men and women's heads. You have to. And then once they accept you and they understand you're there to help and they start giving you this information, y'all together come up with a solution. Exactly. And the solution is iterative. It's not just a discrete, we don't have it today, we have it tomorrow. It's an iterative development process. And so with Gold Corp, this could continue to develop. Now, of course, now, and, and I'm not going to go invest money in Gold Corp, or maybe I will, I just won't admit it, but now I'm starting to wonder, is this going to help them pull ahead of their competitors? This is giving them a competitive edge. And I would think, actually, I, I know it's going to give them an edge in their competitors. You know, it's it's funny. Our They've said this publicly. I, I would agree with, you know, my, my assessment was your assessment that they viewed this as a competitive advantage for them. It actually, when we were talking, their CEO has said publicly that, you know, this is a roadmap and this is a journey. And if we can have other people come in to the roadmap or the journey and work and take, evolve other aspects to it, we're happy to share. I was shocked. So, and and that, is, that is their mantra is that they're happy to have other people come into this and evolve it. Mark, let me tell you something more. We see similar thinking with the leading companies in oil and gas industry. It is about speed of embracing new technology to drive better performance. And it's also changing company culture in the process of being more adoptable to use the technology, to use technology to change your operations. Uh, As we talked earlier, the data science, building artificial intelligence models, even though complicated, we consider it potentially the easiest path, getting the data right and fundamentally changing how company operates as a result of having those models. That's where the problem is. And many leading CEOs and COOs see that as the, that is probably giving them key competitive advantage, being able to use it and being able to be faster in adopting the technology to be better operated. All right, so we're getting close to winding this down. This has been a great story. I'm sorry we only had a half hour. Audience tends to like uh, podcasts only about a half hour long. I want to come back and revisit this later. We will in a future show. But um, Cole and Mark and Darius, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thank you. Man, what great conversations that was. We're at the product review section. So we're looking for tech products. Does not have to have anything to do with oil and gas for us to review on your show. So if you know of something that's really cool or if you have something that's really cool, uh, go to the show notes and reach out to us and let us know what it is and we'll, we'll review your product on the show. Disclaimer, a lot of times companies give us things. So we try not to bias our reviews. So if you give us something and we think it's really cool, we'll let you know. And if it needs some improvement, we'll let our audience know that as well. Uh, it's time for the giveaway except 
Flugtour and I are working on some top secret stuff, so we can't reveal what the giveaway is yet. I promise you by episode six or seven, we'll be giving away something really cool every week. So listen for that. And then go check out the website. If you like the show, go check out oilandgastechpodcast.com. That's oilandgastechpodcast.com. While you're there, give us your email. We promise never to spam you. And this way you get to learn it when we do something really cool or new. And while you're out there looking for places to join, go check out our LinkedIn group. It's OGGN.com on LinkedIn. Our LinkedIn group strong. It's the companion to this show and all of our other oil and gas podcasts. So we are making sure that you don't get left behind one podcast at a time. And here are events on deck with Julie. Hey everyone, it's Julie here with the events on deck for May 2019. We have our Midland Happy Hour on May 21st at Midland Beer Garden, and it will be from 6 to 9. And then we have our Houston Happy Hour, and it's going to be at the Canon from 6 to 9 on May 28th. This month we have the Oil & Gas Smart Contracts Conference on May 15th and 16th, and we will actually be launching another one of our new podcasts live from that event. So check it out. The link is in the show notes. We have the Merge Market Energy Forum on May 21st. At, it's in Houston. Just check that out in the show notes. And then we have a charity event, Golf for Good. That's a golf charity event for Redeemed Ministries. That's going to be on June 11th, 2019. And they are still looking for sponsors. So check that out in our show notes. And if you want to sponsor or register, just click the link in the show notes. And that is it for the the month of May, some events on deck in the, the coming months. We have Shoot for the Future, a clay shoot on Friday, July 26th. And then NAPES and the, the NAPES summer is coming up in August. And that is it for our upcoming events. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.